Shalom mishpocha. Shalom family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, means family, and we're the mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and Gentiles where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form what Paul calls one new man, one new humanity, a species that's never existed before, that is as righteous as Jesus. It's hard to comprehend that we are called the righteousness of God in Messiah Jesus. And I've been looking forward to this interview because I have one of the generals of the faith sitting right opposite me, Norval Hayes. And uh, I have so many questions to ask Norval, uh, but I'm going to take you back, Norval, to uh, I, I know that your mother was a great influence in your life yes. and loved God with all of her heart and planted good seeds in you, but because she was Baptist, did not understand healing, and she died at a young age. Uh, how old was she? 37. She died at 37 of cancer, and you had a brother uh, that died of sickness. And, uh, at 19. And uh, it, it had to have a devastating effect on you as a young man to see that here's your mother serving God with all of her heart, and dies at a young age. Mm-hmm. Uh, is what effect did it have? Well, I kept I kept wondering, you know, you know how how could God take her? And uh, she was just a good soul winner, and a good, uh, such a blessing into the church wherever she went, whatever community we moved to and lived in. And so, I, uh, later on, years later, I started working with Kenneth Hagin, and he made made a statement one day to me. He said, oh, well, I, uh, something I need to pray about. He said, uh, I, I, I usually tell my wife I won't be home for lunch. I'm going to be in the church all day praying. He said, something I need to pray. I start praying about it, and I can't get no answer. So I start praying continually about it. And I've never prayed in my life. I've never prayed when I do that, dedicate myself to prayer. I've never prayed over two days full days, sometime in the second day, I get the answer. And what was that? Um, anything anything he, he wanted to know, and he didn't know what to do, and he goes to God in prayer. That was Brother Hagin now. Oh, okay. And then, so I thought, well, if Brother Hagin can do that, I can do it. So I've always wondered why God took my mother, or she died, uh, at the age of 37. Her she's a strong Christian, she's a good woman. And uh, and so I started praying. Prayed the first day, and the second day, began to prayer. And all of a sudden, the Lord manifested himself to me and said to me, this is plain, son, I didn't kill your mother with cancer. I had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. He said she died because of cancer disease. And I don't attack people with disease to show them something. I said, well, Lord, she she was a child of yours. And if she'd have lived, Jesus, from 37 to now, 
uh, maybe like f f 30 or 40 more years, look at all the souls she could have won because she was bold about it. And, but I said, you didn't, you, you let her die. I said, I know you didn't, I don't believe that you killed her, Jesus, but you are, you are a healer. You could have healed her, couldn't you? And all I want to know, Jesus, why didn't you heal her? And he said, I couldn't help her, son. I said, well, I don't get that. I said, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't help her. He said, because she died because of the church she went to, they failed to teach her about my divine healing power. If they had taught your mother about my divine healing power, she could have believed me and got healed. But they, they failed. And that's the way it is in most all Baptist churches. Now, there is some spirit-filled Baptist pastors now. You run up on one every once in a while. And they, 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 they pray for the sick. But then, no, that was like a disgrace. They didn't... You don't want to get hung in that heat. But, but you know something? You said something to me before we started this interview. Most Christians, even spirit-filled Christians, do not understand faith. That's and, exactly and, by, right. and by the way, uh, since this is radio, I'll say this. Norville is, is it 86 years young? That's right. 86 years young. And uh, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, this week— He's going to answer questions just as God answered his questions. Let me take you back to the time you had an encounter with God and got born again. Tell me about that. Oh, oh I, I, give my, I give my life. I tried to give my life to the Lord as a little Baptist kid, but I didn't, it didn't do much for me, you know. But um, I just I went to church and things like that, you know. And, and I knew God to a certain degree. Uh, because I believe I believe in staying out of sin, things like that. But me and three more men owned a manufacturing company in Columbus, Ohio. And at the end of the year, we'd have an executive meeting, four executives, myself and three more. And we'd go over prices and things like that. And so the last day of the meeting, our manufacturing company was on West Broad Street in Columbus, Ohio. It used to be old Highway 40. Before the day, this was the days before the interstate. And that night when we got through the meeting, because I lived in Indianapolis at that time, and I went across the street and got in my car and began to drive home, and I began to say a little prayer, just a little sweet Baptist prayer, what I'd been taught, thanking the Lord for the day and thanking Him for things and that with Him. And all of a sudden, uh, it's hard to explain, like the wind or something blowing out my car. And all of a sudden, here come God. I mean, he just engulfed me, engulfed me. And I began to weep and cry for an hour and a half. He told me at the beginning, he said, you are killing yourself working and you're not doing anything for me. Killing, you're killing yourself, working. You're not doing anything for me. At that time, I was, now at that particular time, I was making oh, probably 
three, four, five thousand a week. My goodness, that's good today. But back then, that was amazing. Yeah, it was. The first year I worked for that company, I didn't, I didn't, I just barely made expenses. That's all. They didn't give you expense account or car, nothing. They just furnished your samples. That's it. And so, but I, I finally, after the first year, I really learned. I, I love that business. But but God is telling you He wants you really working for Him. Uh, oh, yeah. And the and, and and the Spirit of God came in, and uh, God tells you that. What else did He tell you? He told me that that uh, uh, He said you're, you're killing yourself working too hard, and you're not doing anything for me. And He said uh, He wanted He wanted me to come and, he, and, and uh, just a, just a little bit later. When he had, I, I never fit any poor people, and uh, I had a Pentecost. I was counseling one day with a Pentecostal preacher, and I, that that had a good mission ministry, and I asked him. I said, "Do you know what God wants me to do?" I said, "I, I pray, and God comes and visits me real strong about once or twice a week. He'll visit me real strong, and I'll weep, and He'll bless me." And I said. Do you know what God wants me to do? And this Pentecostal ministry says, No, Mr. Hayes. He said, I, I don't know what God wants you to do, but I can tell you how to find out. I said, You can tell me how to find out? He said, Yes, I can. He said, I can tell anybody in the world how to find out what God wants them to do. I said, Anybody in the world? I said, Well, you must be real smart. He said, Not necessarily. He said, Mr. Hayes, now let me ask you a question and I'll help you. Did you ever feed any poor people? I said, no. I go to the First Baptist Church. There's nobody there that's poor that I know of. <laughs> I said, no. He said, you ever feed any little kids when their daddy left and they have to go at the city dump, take a stick, try to find some food to eat that day, they sleep under a tree, at night time? I said, no, I, I, I've never worked with them. He said, well, they are, they're, they're there. I asked this Pentecostal minister, I said, do you go over there with them? He said, oh, yeah, all the time. I said, well, can I go with you? I learned pretty fast. Can I go with you to see how you do it? He said, you can go with me anytime you want to. So I worked with him about seven years. Well, Norville, I don't think people take God's word seriously when he says he's concerned about people that are hungry and people that are starving. But we're out of time right now. We'll be back uh, on tomorrow's broadcast. So many things I've got to ask Norville uh, because uh, I want him to explain faith to us. I want him to explain when he went to heaven what he learned. Uh, I want him to explain. I want him to demonstrate how he worships. But we have put together a kit called The Best of Norval Hayes. It's three books and two booklets. It's available for a gift of $40. I have it in front of me. Uh, I mean, this is a book that saved his daughter's life. It's called How to Live and Not Die, How to Cast Down Demons. Most Christians wouldn't have a clue on what to do, but the one that intrigues me the most and will intrigue you the most is 
how to worship God. I mean, Norville had at one time 14 businesses, and some of them were million-dollar businesses because God was leading him. We're making all of this available for a gift of $40, and Norville says that when he walks in the revelation God's given him, he doesn't have any sad days. I want you to be able to say that. Come on back tomorrow. Call our order-only line, one 800 447 2697. 1 800 447 2697. Norval, I was curious. Uh, you had an encounter with God. Uh, you didn't understand things like being filled with the Holy Spirit. Your background was Baptist. Tell me about the time you went to heaven the first time. Okay, it was, it was in the 60s when I had, had that experience. I was down, I bought a little motel down in, down in uh, Crystal River, Florida, and I was down there, and then when I had to go to Gainesville to catch a Delta flat out. So when God took me to heaven the first time, that, that, uh, he showed me that big house, big building. They had, I walked, he let me walk in, all of them, the rooms. Had a little, little small furniture, children's furniture. I, I still didn't know what he meant. By it. And then I, I walked out of the house, walked up the sidewalk with the beautiful flowers and grass, the flowers. It's just so beautiful in heaven and the grass is so green. But oh, Sid, I, I beg you, people listening, I beg of you, stay out of sin. Don't miss heaven because if you don't stay out of sin, you're not going to heaven. You, 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 you have to stay out of sin. You can't live in sin and go to heaven. You need to get rid of all the sin stuff if you're doing mean things or things that God don't so, like. So when you went to heaven for the first time, you saw this home. Uh, and, yeah, uh, a big building. I couldn't figure out several years after that when I came back. Several years after that, I'd be speaking. And I'd say, now, if any of you girls had an abortion or you had miscarriages or that type of thing, I said, don't worry about your little child because God's got a special place in heaven where he takes the little children like that, and the angels teach them, you know, until they get grown and teach them things. Did did you did God, did the Lord tell you this, or did you actually see it when you went to heaven? Well, I, I saw the, well, where they were at, uh-huh. but now later, later, and and when I came back, then then let's see, you see, it, I, I could not believe it. For years, I'd tell the people this, my services or conventions. If you've lost a child, don't worry about it. The Lord takes care of the, the little children. He has a special place for them. And you, you wouldn't bring them back if you could. If you could see where they lived. Now, about uh, 14 years goes by. 14 years, Sid. And now I'm riding in my car one day. I had to fly out of Gainesville. So in Crystal River, my motel, I spent the night there. And the man is going to drive me to the airport, come out and pick me up. And we were driving up Highway 19 in Florida towards Gainesville. I catch my Delta flight out there to go speak at a place. And so him and me just riding up the Highway 19, just, just talk, talking, you know. And, and I, I was looking out like this, you know, over palm trees and different things in Florida outside. And, and, and Sid, just all of a sudden, I mean, all of a sudden, God hit me, and I fell over the dice. 
and, and trying to keep myself balanced so I could keep my seat in the car. But all the palm trees outside had disappeared from me. The, my, own, my own driver in my car disappeared from me. And all of a sudden, me, myself, goes whoosh, like this in this supernatural vision. And I'm on earth then. But, and I look down. I look down. I was up higher off of the ground. And I look down. And a whole row around a circle like this right here of little, little bitty teeny children. And I'm looking down at all of them. And they're all looking at me. All these little teeny children looking at me then. And, and, and they're, they're going like this. Looking at me and going. They're help reaching me. out towards you for yeah. help. Help me. Help me. I don't want to die. Help me. Help me. Would you help me? And then the Lord said to me, I haven't forgot about the little children. I'm going to require you to get a home for me. And I was on my way to Springfield, Missouri to speak at a camp meeting for some ministers. And the, so when, when I, I, I opened up my mouth, I started talking about it a little bit. And all of a sudden from the congregation, a strong message came forth in tongues. And one of the well-known ministers sitting on the front, several ministers there, walked up on the stage walked over to where I was, and I handed him the microphone. He began to give the invitation, and he said, My son, I have not forgot about the little children. Hmm. I showed you where I keep them in heaven. Now then, I'm going to require you to get a home for unwed mothers, little teenage girls that gets pregnant. They have nobody to help them. They lose most all their friends. And I want you to save those little babies for me. Save the little babies. I want to require you to buy a home to save those little, and take those girls in. Don't charge them no money. You raise them. I'll 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 I'll, I'll help you raise the money. And so I did. I went back home, and a man that worked with me, he said, he said, brother Noble, I was at the bank. And the banker said, come over here. Don't, don't you work with Norval Hayes? He said, yeah. He said, he said, you tell him, is he in town? I said, no, he's out of town. When he comes back, tell him to come and see me. I've got something I think that, that God wants him to have. And I went up to see him. He said, I've got this home. It's got 15 bedrooms and eight baths. And he said, he only owes $95,000 on it, but it, we repossessed it because he didn't, couldn't have the money to finish it. He said, Mr. Hayes, if you want to buy this home for your children, you can have all the acreage in that home for $95,000. He said, go out there and look at it and come back and let me know. So I did, and I bought it, and I've had it ever since, bringing girls in for, oh, 30 years, I guess, um, saving the little babies. God says, I, I hadn't forgot about the little baby. 14 years went by, and he says, I haven't forgotten about what I showed you about the, hmm. the house and little children. I'm going to require you to get one for me, a house to, to raise those little children. house for unwed mothers? Yes. I've, uh, had it, I've had it for about 35 years. Tell, let me take you back to this first time you went to heaven. 
you saw this house where the babies were. Yes. And they were in good shape, the babies in heaven. Oh, but, you said that right. But besides seeing the house, tell me what other recollection you had of heaven. The most important thing that I saw in heaven was, of course, I saw the trees and the flowers and the grass, how green it was. But I walked out of the house, I woke up the sidewalk, and I was looking at the flowers, how beautiful they were. The green was the greenest grass I've ever seen. And, and I, I, got up, I got up on a little rise from, from the house, and I was standing there. And I said, oh, God, I wish I could stay here. Uh, Sid, every time you breathe in heaven, every time you breathe, you breathe in the presence of God. Heaven is a holy place. There's no sin there. There's no garbage there. There's no foul talking there, nothing. It's a holy place. And every time you breathe, you breathe in the presence of God and he lets you feel him going all the way down your body to the end of your toes. And then next time, it's a little bit better. Every time you breathe, it seems like it's stronger. So in heaven, there's no, you will never have no boring days in heaven. Breathing the presence of God in your body every time you breathe, it, 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 you can't all wait till the next breath. That's the main thing I saw, how you can it, breathe. It, it's, it's like a rarefied air that you breathe there. But uh, Norval, uh, you're known for having authority in the name of Jesus over demons, over sickness. You hate cancer uh, with a passion. Uh, tell me about the greatest miracle short of salvation you've ever witnessed when you've prayed. Well, I was at this church in Pensacola, Florida, speaking on a Sunday morning, and uh, the Lord, I was asking why the Lord, why the church didn't have more power than what they had. And uh, we need more power, uh, God's power on the earth to do the work of God. And and he said, go go out there and lay your hands on that woman. And, and in a wheelchair, she come to old people's home. She had been in old people's home for 11 years with palsy. And I went out there and I touched her on her forehead like this with my fingers. And I looked down, she disappeared. And she, I guess a thousand people started screaming. And I looked over that way, and she's on the other side of the church. Normal. She had six deadly diseases. And she's running around in a circle screaming, Jesus, screaming, Jesus, screaming. She, she was blind, too. Yeah, blind. No mind. She didn't know. She didn't know. No mind, blind, her body crippled. Twisted. Twisted. Really like, like this. Yeah. Huh. She carried two pictures with her, one after I got healed, and the way she was when, when I prayed for her, or when she came to the service. My goodness. Now, did you hear what he just said? A woman with all of these deadly diseases, totally crippled, totally blind, gets out of a wheelchair, but she actually, what occurred is she disappeared and was on the other side of the auditorium. That's what it sounds like to me. That's normal.
you know, I have followed your career for many years as a baby believer. Uh, you were on the full gospel businessmen circuit, Norval, and, and uh, so I, I heard you a lot, but I never really got to know you. And if I had gotten to know you, there was a question I wanted, and I didn't realize you even had a book on it. Uh, the question I wanted to ask you is, you, you, you told me that you had 14, you didn't tell me, you, you said publicly, because I didn't know you personally, that you had 14 businesses. Some of them were million-dollar businesses, and God was the best businessman in the world because he would tell you what to do. He would tell you what to invest in. And, and what I found out was that you understood worship. You had a revelation of worship, and I wanted to know it. I, I didn't realize that you had a book on the subject, but how did you even know that worship was so important? I know it says it in the Word, but did God give you a revelation that worship was so important? Yeah. Three times, see it in 20 years, God manifested himself to me about the lack of worship was going on in churches. And he said, they don't, they don't, he said I'm, 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 when I look at my church, I'm sadly lacking because, I said, people don't worship me enough. And when they don't worship me enough, they don't live the abundant life. They can't have the abundant life not worshiping me. Three times in 20 years, he talked to me about the lack of worship in the church. Well, I'm in, I'm in L.A., said, and the guy that's pastor of the Eagle's Nest Church in L.A., he invited me to come and stay three days to teach on worship. So I went, and, and I taught on worship uh, twice on Sunday morning. The first service on Sunday morning I taught, and I gave a break and had another service. And when it started back up the second service, a man that just walked in, he didn't know what I spoke on the first service, he gave a prophecy out loud and strong about the importance of worship and, and God really got a hold of me through that prophecy. And so I sat down and I started writing that book. I said, I've got to write the book. That's the book we're offering called uh, Worship. And, uh, but Norville, you have a handle on it that this generation does not understand. You have a handle on faith that this generation does not understand. Uh, teach me. I, this was the question I wanted to ask you 40 years ago, so I'll ask you now. It's a little late. How do you worship? Tell me what you do when you normally, when you worship. Not necessarily how long, but what do you do? He's raising his hands to God. He's closing his eyes. Heavenly Father, I come to you and I worship you and I praise you. And I pray to bless the holy name. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. I want my life to count for you. Lord, I want you to let me go where you want me to go. I want you to do what you want me to do. I want you to show me what you want me to know. I worship you, Jesus, and I praise that wonderful name. I praise the good name of the Lord. And uh, Sid, I love the book of Psalms because it's a lot of, a lot of worship goes on it. In song. By the way, the anointing just upped when you were worshiping God to demonstrate, because you weren't demonstrating, you were really worshiping God. I could feel a tangible presence of God increase. Go ahead. And, 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 uh, and so I wrote that book on worship three times. After three times in 20 years, 
he exam he dealt with me the lack of worship, the lack of of, of, of what people were receiving from him. And I, I said, well, Lord, he said, I want you to teach my people how to talk. I said, well, I, got, I go to a lot of places, Lord, they know how to talk well. But he said, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm not about talking to the mountains and worshiping me and talking to the mountains and making them disappear from me and, and worshiping me and worshiping me. He said, the lack of worship cuts people's benefits off. They, they, they can't get as much what they want from me if they don't worship me. You got to put first things first. The first commandment is worshiping me, loving me with all the heart, mind, and soul. And then the second second commandment, if you'll notice, is as great as the first. I say, it's as great as the first. And that's about loving your neighbor as yourself. And poor people is your neighbors. And God wants you to help them. If you'll help them, I started feeding the poor about 35 years ago, Sid, and, and now that, now that, now that he says, he goes to the verse of Scripture, he says, He that feedeth the poor, I will restore his health to him speedily. I'll restore his health to him speedily if he feeds the poor. About 35 years ago, I started feeding the poor, and I've been feeding the poor ever since, every day, today, tomorrow, every day, I feed the poor, hundreds of them. And, um, and, and God will really bless you, bless anybody, you'll bless anybody that does it to help feed the poor. I'm curious, I know, but um, you, you have to raise a lot of money. You have a home for unwed mothers, you help the needy, uh, you, you, uh, uh, you gave up a lot of your businesses because God wanted you to concentrate on, on the ministry. Uh, do you use high-pressure techniques to raise money? Um, candidly, between you and me, no. How do you raise your money? Is it difficult? You have you have a big budget. God does it for my kid. It's it'll start it if I tell you. Tell me. Just a few days ago, I won't tell you where or when. I mean, I won't tell you where or, or, or I won't tell you, give you the pa- pastor's name. But I spoke to a little church. Uh, I love that pastor, and I speak for him every every year. Usually twice a year he wants me to come. He has about 40, 50, 60 people. And I spoke for him the other night, just a few days ago. He took up an offering for my ministry. I got through speaking. Plus, he's a businessman. A businessman in that church wrote me a check for $50,000 plus the offering for speaking to 40, 50 people. Are you telling me that you don't have to use high-pressured, manipulative things? You're telling me you have to do two things. You have to worship God, and you have to help people that need need financial help. And if you want want to be successful in business, I used to have 14 businesses. I made Jesus my business partner. I'd walk to and fro from my office, and I'd tell Jesus during the day, you're the best business partner I ever had. You're the best business partner I ever had. Thank you, Lord, for being my business partner. And then when, when he, he sees that you'll help the poor, and you'll help little kids. I, I go to the city dump with my Cadillac car and tailor-made suit and everything, you know, making several thousand a week. Every time I go over there, the devil say, you're crazy. What are you doing over here? This is not your class of people. 
you, you shouldn't come over here. But see, but I know God wanted me to do it. And the garbage trucks would come into the city dump, and little, little kids out there, the daddies left. Their mothers got three or four little kids. They all sleep under a tree. And, and, and the garbage truck comes in, a lot of garbage trucks, dump trucks, and they dump it out like this. And the little kids have got to stick about that long. They go out there barefooted, and they start moving the stuff that come out of the garbage truck. So, so, so they're searching through the garbage because they're starving. Oh, yeah. The that, that has to break your heart, but it has to also break God's heart. The, the average American person that's listening to us are in this country said they, they, they have no earthly idea how many American people, I'm not talking about overseas, American people starved to death last year. Mm. You're right. We're, we're in a little bubble. We're, we're, you know, like, like you said, uh, someone of your level doesn't go to the garbage dump to see people that are struggling to get garbage to eat. And so we're almost like ostriches. We want to hear no evil, see no evil, taste no evil, smell no evil. Yeah. That's exactly right. That God will go, if people would worship, worship God and help feed the poor and stuff. I'm, I'm 86 years old, and I have a certain doctor that still makes house calls. Him and five other doctors, they examine me every, usually every year. They'll examine me for free. They just want, they, they want to examine me. That I ain't never seen anybody like you in my life. And he, he said, they call me all the time. He says, I've been a doctor for 40 years. I have never examined a human being as healthy as that man. And he said to me, he said, the only people in the world as healthy as you are is a 17-year-old boy that's never been married. Hmm. Now, what do you attribute to your—and it's, look, at 86, what do you attribute to your supernatural health, Norval? Feeding the poor and worshiping the Lord. All right. You just heard it. You, you heard it from Norval Hayes, one of the generals of the faith. Um, <laughs> I mean, I believe we're coming in to the most treacherous times in the history of the world, especially in the history of America. But they don't have to be treacherous for you. I believe that he's just told you two things. And interesting enough, Norval, we have put together uh, the best of Norval Hayes, three books by Norval Hayes, How to Cast Out Devils, How to Worship, How to Live and Not Die, and then the other two, uh, when you read his little booklet on confession brings possession and the blessings of obedience, we're putting this whole package together for a gift of $40. Call a right today. It will change your destiny. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Norval, you said on yesterday's broadcast there were two things that have made a difference in your life and will make a difference in every single person that does what God showed you to do. Number one, God spoke to you 
that he said is people don't worship him enough. And you have an entire book on worship that we're going to make available to people. And then number two, uh, people aren't concerned about the needy. You would go out to the dumps and uh, the garbage dumps and you would feed people. Tell me about one experience that you had when you would go out to the dump. All right. I was over over there one morning and at the city dump and this lady had three three children, I think three or four, and her husband had left and and he wouldn't send her no money or nothing, so she couldn't pay her apartment rent, so she slept under a tree with her three children. And so some some teenagers from Lee University come along and got some slabs from a fire from a sawmill and built her one room, just one square room around the tree, around the tree. I got some used used tar paper and put her a, a roof on, on, on the building. So I went in that little building to, to pray for them. This little girl walked up to me and she said, this is all the milk the baby's got, mister. And then, so he just showed me like uh, an eighth of a glass yeah. uh, and that's all the milk uh, that that little girl had. Go ahead. And she said, and the Holy Ghost started rising up in me, and I went outside, and I said, "God, is this is this the ministry you've given me for leaving the First Baptist Church, God?" And uh, and so he said, "Be faithful to me here, son." God spoke to me. I never heard His voice like I did that day. He spoke to me plainly. He said, "I have called you." And I am, I am going to set you on a high hill, and the light will shine down from you to many men. Now you go in peace in Jesus' name. Now, he said, you learn to bloom where you're planted. He said, the little girl, the little girl needs some milk for the baby. What are you going to do about it? I said, uh, well, I'm going to buy some milk. Then God said to me, show me. Always remember this, Sid. God don't believe nothing that people says to him. He only believes what they do. Talk is cheap. Yeah, talk is cheap. And and, and so I said, well, I'm gonna, what are you, you going to do about it? I said, I'm going to buy some milk. He said, show me. So he said, my pocket got some money. He said, son, remember, I am going to set you on a high hill. And the light of God will shine down from you to many, many men. Now you go in peace. In Jesus' name, go in peace. And guess what? The light has shined on many, many people as a result of Norval devoting his life to helping needy people and worshiping God. And I, I have to believe that the more you worship, the more you hear from God. Oh, yes. Yeah. The Lord told me one time, he said, he said, people, they're living beneath their means, and I don't like it. God said, people, son, are living beneath their means. Many people are, are living beneath their means, and I don't like it because the price has been paid. They can have the abundant life. The price has already been paid on the cross. They can have the abundant life. And I don't like it. when And I said, what do you mean? I said, they they, they they talk everywhere I go and nice. He says, he says, but, but they don't worship me enough. If they'd worship me more, 
I can do more for them. Uh, let me ask you a question. I, I, need to, I need to understand this. I have this need within. Um, I heard you demonstrate worship and the, the anointing. There was a discernible difference. It increased. Or, and what happens when the anointing increases, that means God is, uh, God is closer. It means you're, you're walking in his, if God is close, that means you're walking in his favor. Yes. And that's what, that's what God's done in your life. I mean, 14 business, many of them a million dollars. Uh, I mean, God, God has, has, has so blessed your life. When you worship God, I mean, be my, uh, you know, in, uh, uh, in exercise, they have what they call personal trainers. Uh, that help you learn how to uh, do different exercises and lift weights and things. I want you to be my personal trainer, Norval, and let everyone else eavesdrop. Tell me, give me some coaching on how to worship. Well, well, it's um, you know that most churches, Sid, don't have any worshiping classes in their church, so they have the average. The average group, I went to a church of 10,200 10, seats, and, and I taught her in worship. And, and she said, I didn't know, my, the pastor said, I didn't know my church was in bad shape till you taught her in worship. Hmm. Now, this past week, what is his name? Butler. Keith Butler. Keith Butler. He had 18,000 members. He spoke for me last week. And, 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 and so, so he... he, he God has really blessed him. But he, when he had 12,000 people, he called me up and wanted me to come up there and teach on worship. So I taught his church on worship. Next time I went back, he told his church, he said, when Rob was here last time, he taught on worship. And it totally changed this whole church. It changed this whole church. See, if people would worship God daily, or at least two or three times a week, no, no, no. Got to worship God daily. Yeah, daily's better. Oh, okay. Uh, what I want you to do is tell me what to do. All right, I get up. I block the hour off. I want to worship God. Tell me. Give me some clues. All right, just sit down. You, you, you can get on your knees if you want to. You can sit in your easy chair if you want to. I'll take the easy the, chair. The Go other ahead. thing of it is you just hold up your hands, sit, All right. and begin to worship the Lord and praise Him. Tell Him how much you love Him. Say, Lord, help me, help me, oh God, and put you first. You, you said if, if I put you first, you'd add all of the things to me. Health, money, joy, peace, contentment, all of the things to me. I worship you. I hold your name above all names on earth. There's no name as powerful as the name of the Lord on its earth. Thank you, Lord. I worship you and I praise you, Lord. I praise you. I worship you. I praise you and I worship you. Sometimes I'll stop saying to him, "Oh, how I love Jesus," and thank him for love, love, love. Thank, thank God for loving me, and thank God for teaching me. See, I, I was raised as Baptist. Now I love Baptist people. They have a good ministry of salvation. But I was raised as Baptist. But see, in the Baptist church. I'm not talking about all of them. I'm talking about a lot of them. They don't hold up their hands and worship God. Now, they love God, though, but they don't hold up their hands in church services. So, therefore, the people don't ever learn. And, and in the Bible, it says, lift holy hands to God. That's, that's right. Lift holy hands to God and worship Him. 
Now, now let me ask you a question. Uh, what's the longest you've ever worshipped God? I don't even know if I know the answer to that or not. Have you ever worshipped him for uh, more than two hours at a time? Yeah, I have. Okay. I, re- I remember I remember here some time ago that uh, Rod Parsley had me booked to speak at his church. I went in the night, night before, and I woke up the next morning there in Columbus, and the, the, the room just looked so beautiful to me. And the presence of God was there so strong. And I began to worship the Lord. And I began to pray and worship the Lord together. And I worshiped that day five hours. Hmm. And I was going to speak that night on the power of visions. So when I went to the church, they told me, they said, this is the largest crowd I've ever had in this church. Rod Parsons' father told me that he had built the church. He said, it's the largest crowd brother know we ever had in this church. So when Rod Parsley introduced me, why well, I began to teach on the power of visions. And when I did, God anointed me real heavy. And, he, and an hour goes by, and I'm still anointed real heavy. Because I got into that, so you know. And God really blessed me. And they said, but, but uh, before I come to her to, to, to that day, I worship God and pray to God for five hours. You are no longer the person you were before because it says you're a new creation, a new species of being. You've never existed before. So stop looking at back at the past. You look on the bright future that God has for you. And if you have fallen, the Bible says to the believer that you should uh, uh, that confess your sins and he's just and faithful to forgive you of all unrighteousness and just dust yourself off don't look back and keep pressing on towards the high calling that god has for you i have one of the generals in the faith in the studio dr norville hayes uh, 86 years young and i'm uh, norville you told me before we started this broadcast that most christians do not understand faith i know that god taught you faith you've been in the word i see your bible over here it looks like you have been through that so long, so many times uh, but tell me teach me some something that god taught you on faith okay one key thing god taught me on faith is to have have faith in him to want to worship him, have faith in him, to worship him and praise him, and so that's what that's really what we need. All of us need that, real bad, to worship God and praise him. Have faith. You can have faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And this is so important. This one verse. It's a must that they get it. All right, where, where is this verse? What is it? Hebrews 11, 6. Hebrews 11, 6. Okay. All right. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. The most important thing in the world to, to any of us, Sid, is to please the Lord. Please him. 
But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When you worship God, you're diligently seeking God. And you'll find God too. Those that diligently seek God shall find God. Said any person in the world, any person in the world, they can have just as much of God as they want. It all depends on how long they're going to seek him. He says, diligently seek God, and you shall find him. You have to seek him. Let me ask you this. I notice in many times you will um, command people to be healed, but over and over for hours sometimes. Tell me about one person you prayed for for hours and they got healed. Okay. There's a college on top of Lookout Mountain in Chattanooga. And they were having a commencement day with all the parents come in, hundreds of people there. And they, some boys there at college, you know, this other boy was from New Jersey, going to college there. And they backed him out. They said, you're a coward if you don't take your clothes off and in the nude, streak across the campus, run as fast as you can across the campus in the nude. And so he didn't want to do it. But he kept calling him yellow. Finally, he just jerked off his clothes off. Boy from New Jersey, streaked across the campus right in front of the, all the parents in the, in the nude. And when he got to the other side of the field, he had no mind. Hmm. God took his hand off of him. See, you can get so, you can get so filthy with, so hideous with your sins. God will take it. God, God, if you want to do something the devil wants you to do, he'll take his hand off of you and let you do it. And the devil will drive you crazy. Time that college boy got across that, that field, that campus, he didn't have no mind. So, so in effect, if you go deep enough into sin, the hedge of protection around you is removed and the devil has free access. Okay, when you prayed for him and he lost his mind, tell me what happened. All right. I was uh, in a shopping center in Cleveland, Tennessee, sitting in my car one afternoon. And God moved in my car and told me to go to Chattanooga at a certain place. So I drove my car and went to Chattanooga at a certain place. He didn't tell me how far. When I got there, they had this boy, and I didn't know he'd done this till this time. They had this boy that's lost his mind. He's a padded cell case. He's upstairs. And so... The, the the college psychiatrist brought him down to, to that particular building. God told me to go there. Of course, God knew what I'd do when I went there, when I saw him. I didn't even know he was, he was in the world. And the psychiatrist said, Mr. Hayes, I saw you on TV one time. I saw you on TV one time. I know you know how to pray and make devils leave people. He says, I didn't even believe this kind of stuff about a year ago. He said, but I saw you on TV and he said, I saw you and Lester Summerall where you cast out devils on TV. And he said, this young man has got a patent cell case. He's been like this now for four days. He don't even know his own name. He's upstairs. He said, will you pray for him? I said, sure. He said, okay, we want to go. We'll, we'll, me and my sister wants to go with you. I said, no, you can't go. He said, what? I said, no, you can't go with me upstairs. 
He said, why not? I said, because you don't know what you're doing. I need all the faith I can get. And there's, there's an example in the Bible that Jesus only wanted those that, that believed with him when he and prayed for the little girl. Here supernaturally. Hmm. And I know, I, know, I know how to get that boy's mind back for him, but it may, may take me all night. And, and so I started praying for that boy at uh, like late in the afternoon. And he finally, he finally got his mind back, got to be normal. Seven o'clock next morning, I prayed all night. Now, why, why was it necessary for you to pray all night? Why couldn't you just pray one prayer and that would have been it? Well, most of the time, Sid, most people don't get much from short prayers. If you show God you'll diligently seek him for victory, you can have it. All right. I want to have victory right now. There are people listening right now that have cancer. These were the two words I heard. Uh, with, there's someone with a migraine headache. I, and there's lots of other diseases represented. I, I would like you to pray a prayer of faith for them, and I believe God is going to move in an extraordinary fashion. Okay. Can I give a word of testimony? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm driving for the Full Gospel Ministry Convention. It's over. I'm driving back to Cleveland in my car, and I stopped on the way between Nashville and, Chet and Cleveland. I stopped at the Stuckist station. They have good candy there, and they sell gas and all kind of nuts stuff is stuck in his store so I stopped and I'm looking at the counter here and I heard somebody going uh, oh 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 and I looked on the top of the counter and there's a woman going, looked like she's about 30 years old she's going uh, uh. so I walked on around there where she's at slowly and I said, lady, are you hurting? She said, oh, yeah, I'm hurting. I had migraine headaches. I have them all the time sometimes. This has been on me about 70 hours. Don't leave. Don't leave. I said, I don't, I don't put up with migraine headaches. She said, you don't? And I said, no. I said, I looked around. There's a fellow who had walked up there and stopped, and he said, he's watching us. And I was about as far from here to that glass there and, and I looked around he said and I said are you is this your wife he said yeah I said she's hurting real bad he said are you kidding she's been hurting for three days she has migraine headaches sometimes she hurts for three days and so I said well I can make that lever if you want me to he said yeah I said well let's get out of the store I don't want to remain at the store you know get scared Let's go outside, and I'll pray for her. So we went outside and prayed for her. I said, no, I'm going to break the power of that thing over you. You know, so I took a thought over her, you foul devil, you spirit of migraine headaches, I command you, turn this woman loose. I command you to come out of her. And Jesus, of course, I was a lot louder. And <laughs> I'm sure. Outside now. I said, come out of her. Leave her alone. I resist you in Jesus' name, you devil. And so he goes, so I wasn't getting no place. So then finally, I just took her head in my hand. I said, pulled her face up next to, close to mine. I said, in Jesus' name, I command you, turn this woman loose. I command you to come out of her. Come out of her. In Jesus' name, obey me. Come out of her, I said. You are not going to keep her in prison. Come out of her. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
I did that probably 15, 20 times. And all of, it, all of a sudden, she just... She just fell over. Yeah, she fell on the floor. So she started crying. She cried probably for 10 minutes. Then she, when she got up, I told her husband, I said, she's free. She gets up and she said, I said, are they gone? She said, they're gone. My head is not hurting. There's two of them. They went out that window there. <laughs> two demons. Yeah, they went out that window. And she said, I'm free. I asked him, I said, where do you live at? He said, I live in Cleveland, Tennessee. I said, Cleveland, Tennessee, that's where I live. He said, why do you let her go through this? He said, I, I don't know how to do it. I said, no, well, from now on, you know how to do it. Uh, Norval, we're out of time. I want you to pray right now the prayer of faith for people that are sick right now. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, I, I, I pray that your attention will go to the people that's listening to this broadcast and they're sick and they need help. They have pain. I break the power of pain over their bodies in Jesus' name. And I command that pain to leave them, come out of them, and leave them totally. Cancer, I curse your roots, and I command you to leave that body in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Roots of the cancer, I command all the roots to die, and all every cancer cell leave their body in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power going through their body right now. Your divine healing power going through their body and removing as your divine healing power flows through their body. Remove all symptoms of cancer. Remove all symptoms of migraine headaches in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it, Lord. I believe it. I believe it to be so. And I want to thank you, Lord, for doing it for the people that's listening to this broadcast. In Jesus' name, right now, Lord. Amen. And I want you to have the best of Norval Hayes. I mean, this, so, this generation has not seen these three books and two booklets available for a gift of $40. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.